The first major trophy of the English season will be awarded on Sunday as Liverpool and Chelsea do battle at Wembley in the League Cup final. Liverpool beat Chelsea in the final of the FA Cup and the League Cup a couple of seasons ago, winning both showpieces on penalties after goalless draws. Will Mauricio Pochettino's young bucks claim glory or will it be the start of Jurgen Klopp's glorious long goodbye? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. The top game deserves a top tipping team starting with Mark O'Hare. Mark, Liverpool had to dig deep to come from behind against Luton in midweek. They're hoping to get some key players back from injury. Yeah, um, I think Jurgen Klopp's been a little bit coy in terms of his dealings with the press, so his available availability of, of certain players. Um, you know, if you look at the first choice starters, I presume they will be about Alisson, Trent, Matip, Ross, possibly Shopperslai. Um, they obviously lost a few more, Shotter, Curtis Jones. But if you look at the players who are likely to start, Kelleher, I think, is a top-notch goalkeeper. Uh, in terms of a backup, Connor Bradley's been exceptional since he's come in at right back. Robertson's back, of course. Gomez is available. The defence, I think, is absolutely fine. In midfield, Endo, McAllister, Gravenberch. You know, Gravenberch, I thought, played pretty well at Brentford last week. Um, I think it, it, it's fine. It's not brilliant, but it's it's OK. It's good enough. And up front, I fully expect Darwin Nunes and Mo Salah to be involved, having been not involved against Luton. So add them to the mix with Diaz and Gakpo. I think Liverpool are as formidable and as... And as powerful as you like, really, going forward um, or should be this weekend. So um, I've got no real qualms, really, with the team news, because maybe apart from Alisson and Shopperslai, I think Liverpool are more than good enough, really, to to put on a show, uh, especially in forward areas. You know, against Brentford last week, we saw Salah, Jota, Nunes, Gakpo and Diaz all either score, assist or even do both, really, which is remarkable, really. And since the start of December, they've now scored at least four goals nine times they've scored at least three goals in five of the last six so it'd be a major surprise to see Chelsea manage to kind of keep them at bay but I don't want to put the boot in massively on Chelsea because they did play above pre-game expectations last weekend against Man City particularly in the I first thought they were half. good I thought they were really they good were. actually yeah they were they executed the game plan very well uh, Raheem Sterling's goal on the counter was taken very well but they had other opportunities could have made City pay more and then obviously game state goes against them city training for for a good hour or so or even more um but ultimately i think the draw was probably a fair result if you concede 31 shots and and 2.7 expected goals um you know you're unlikely to win a football match uh, obviously game state is a massive part in that but erling harland's kind of coughing up 1.6 expected goals worth of opportunities is a, is a rarity really so um, but yeah, I mean, it was a good response and it has been a good response since they were routed at Anfield because we've seen that effort at City, the win at Villa in the FA Cup and the win at Palace was a bit meh, but, you know, in collection with the other two performances, there are signs of positivity perhaps creeping into to Chelsea's performances. So I don't want to dismiss them out of hand. However, this is a, a tough challenge. Um, their issue so far this season hasn't been creating chances. It's been putting them away. They're actually second in the Premier League in terms of XG per shot which shows they're getting into some really good positions and uh, getting some really good efforts away. But they're 18th in terms of expected goals versus actual goals, which Oof. is an enormous issue which needs addressing. And I think in one-off cup finals, when the standard of opposition is increased and you're playing a team with the firepower such as Liverpool, could be a deciding factor, really. So Liverpool, as we know, are, are much further along their journey than where Chelsea are at. 
Um, but I have respect for what Chelsea have achieved last week against City. And ultimately, they have, you know, exclude the trip to Anfield. They held Liverpool on the opening day. They've held Arsenal. They've held City home and away as well. So they have tended to kind of come out more often than not and put in a decent fist of things against the elite opposition in the Premier League this season. So my angle here is to back Liverpool double chance, taking out the risk of the, the win in 90 minutes, double chance alongside under three and a half goals. You're getting evens. So basically a coin flip on the 0-0, the 1-1, or Liverpool winning 1-0, 2-0, 3-0 or 2-1. Only three of the last 17 Carabao Cup finals have featured four goals or more. One was Premier League Swansea against League 2 Bradford. One was Man City against Sunderland, which was a very one-sided betting heat. Um, and also upsets in the final are relatively rare or, or major upsets. I think you have to go back to Birmingham in 2011 for the last really kind of big upset. Um, so, yeah, I expect Liverpool to, to get the job done over the course of the afternoon. But uh, it might go to extra time if Chelsea can you know, repeat the effort of last week. Odds compiler, tipster and a mathematician in the calibre of Carol Vorderman. Mark Stinchcombe is here. Stinch, Chelsea blown away at Anfield fairly recently, as Mark says. They have impressed since then. That Anfield factor isn't going to be an issue here, though. Yeah, possibly. Obviously, we've seen in the, the cup finals where they were very tight and, and cagey and uh, ultimately with, with goalless. Um, and I definitely think that, yeah, losing that Anfield raw, if you like, will could have a, an impact and yeah I think it's been borne out in what we've seen previously and to be fair to be honest like Chelsea a bit like United a bit like Newcastle very very difficult to to call which one will show up so much inconsistency across those teams this season despite obviously the the huge huge investments so I'm just gonna um, put up a couple of uh, player bets that um, we spoke about last time they met uh, Connor Bradley, anytime assist, available at four to one. Uh, five assists in his last six games now, including two against Chelsea. Um, just gets up so so high up the pitch, and yeah. I think Chelsea are a little bit vulnerable at that left back position. They've they've had Colwell there, they've had Chilwell, um, they've had Cucurella. I don't think they're quite settled in in that area of the pitch. Also with the yeah, they let the, Ian Martin go to Dortmund, and he's been brilliant. Does yeah, make yeah, any sense. Also in front of them, you know, sometimes it's Mudrick, uh, sometimes it could be Cole Palmer, Sterling. They're just not set. So um, when you've got someone that just consistently keeps bombing on, uh, I think probably there's a, a an element of um, players not being passed on to their relevant marker. Um, and then the other bet, uh, and he was subbed after 68 minutes against Lewin, which I think suggests he'll start here. Uh, the other bet, I'm not sure where, whether Joe Gomez is going to start left back. Robertson did play the full 90 against Brentford, but as we've seen, Liverpool seem to be picking up a lot of injuries. So if Gomez does start left back, it's now 11 shots in 12 games this season when he's played there. Uh, and that's like versus a career average of just 0.3 shots per game. So it's clear uh, anyone anyone can see with their eyes, he's clear that he's getting forward a lot and, and taking yeah. opportunities on. But he's evens just to have a shot, which is pretty big um, when you consider that. And five to one for, for a shot on target. You know, if he's shooting, he's generally aiming to try and hit the goal. And it could be quite a sort of a tame one from distance, which just trickles through to the keeper. So yeah, there's a few angles there that I quite like. Imagine if he finally scores a senior goal in the League Cup final. Just imagine that. Big Boise back in the fold. Alex Boise from Betfair is with us. Boise, a tough challenge for Chelsea. But as the guys have said, they actually played quite well against Manchester City last weekend. 
they did play well, to be fair to them, and, and they do deserve credit for that. And they have, Mark said, that they've performed in big games, and that's where you, it's a bit of a t- different test to show how they perform against those top, top teams, and they have done well. Um, but they are still untrustworthy. So when I was looking through the prices, um, even just to see Liverpool at 11 to 10 um, in the match odds market on the sports book, just, just definitely caught my eye because they were much shorter when they faced each other less than a month ago. Three to five they went off that day, I think. Um, and obviously smashed them 4-1. So what has really changed in a month? I mean, Chelsea, Mark touched on their results since. They did get that point at City. Um, they, but after they lost at uh, Anfield, they conceded four to Wolves. They scraped past Palace, to be honest. You know, yes, they got the win and that, that isn't really what matters, but they did scrape past them. So the only real standout effort for me over 90 minutes was the FA Cup performance at Villa. Liverpool, well, after they were beaten in the um, Arsenal match, you know, they've netted 11 times in three games now. Continues to sit top of the Premier League, 25 more points than Chelsea, by the way, as well. So perhaps it's just the Wembley Stadium that is giving Chelsea a, a better chance here or, or, or the key injuries to Liverpool players. But um, I think this could just be a repeat domination from Liverpool, to be honest, because even just forgetting all the data for a minute, I, I, I would trust any Klopp side over this yo-yo in Chelsea team any day of the week, regardless of who is in that Liverpool team. Even if pound for pound, on paper, Chelsea might feel the stronger eleven on the Sunday. You know they're still very untrust, uh, very untrustworthy, and everything I feel you could throw at Chelsea as criticism, I'd probably feel the complete opposite toward a Klopp team. So there's still going to be match winners out there for Liverpool. So if you want to back Liverpool, then then do. I, I don't think a case needs to be made um, for why you shouldn't. Um, Chelsea have lost to worse sides than, than what Liverpool ever Liverpool are going to put out on the field this weekend. So. Um, please back them if you want to. However, I'm not backing them. And that's not because I'm backing Chelsea. Uh, seven of the last eight between these two have, have ended level. We've had two one-alls, one-two-all and four-nil-nils. Four-nil-nils in a row are actually coming into the season, which obviously included two of those cup finals um, a couple of years ago, both at Wembley. So this is where the potential of the Liverpool's injuries make me feel a little bit better. Um, Chelsea, I think Mark... Uh, mentioned their underperformance in XG in the Premier League this season. Only Everton have a worse differential from open play than Chelsea. And even against City, you know, yeah, they faced three million shots or whatever, but they actually could have been a couple of goals up at half time if they'd converted those chances that they created on the break. So that kind of those finishing problems haven't improved as a team. And if it wasn't for Cole Palmer, I dare say they'd be, they'd be the worst side in the league for for converting chances because he's really elevated them, you know, into double figures now, I think. So I mentioned seven draws in the last eight, and with the potential of Liverpool's front line being a little bit decimated, we'll see. You know, it feels like again it could go to extra time here, a few goals. So you can back the correct score combination of nil-nil or one-one at seven to two. Um, but I'm actually going to put up the no goal scorer price at ten to one in the first goal scorer market. You know, to clarify, you can back the nil-nil at twelve to one, but if we back no goal scorer at ten to one, uh, any own goal that is scored means our bet. Um, rolls on. So theoretically, the game could finish for all uh, if there were eight own goals, but we'd still be paid out. Um, I mean, that'd be so, quite something. Oh, we were game for the ages, wouldn't it? It was. Um, so, and then the other angle to mention, uh, there's been 13 yellows in, in the two meetings between these two the, uh, these two sides this season. Six for Liverpool, seven for Chelsea. Um, it's not really anything new for Chelsea. Um, they've They've got at least six more cards than any other Premier League team um, this season, 32 more than Liverpool have, which is quite a, quite a big gap. Um, it's kind of another part of Chelsea that deems them 
I don't like them that much because they're quite ill-disciplined still. The number of fouls they commit in cards they get you know, can really change this, the state of a game as well. So I'd definitely have a look at Chelsea most card um, to, to to win the card count on, on the sports book. And, and I'm also going to put up a treble for the actual game as well. Moises Caicedo, Watoru Endo and Malo Gusto. So you've got Caicedo and Endo. They've got seven each in the Premier League this season. They commit two and three fouls per 90 respectively, which is a lot. And four of Gusto's five yellows in the Premier season have come in his last eight and he's got the tough task with, with the one we definitely know who's playing in Luis Diaz on Sunday. So can't get your full price right now because it's not fully priced up on the sports book, but that's the treble I'll be looking at on Sunday. Plenty of nice options ahead of that final. Wolves in good nick as they take on struggling Sheffield United. Stinch, when you consider that Hulen Lopetegui, Hulen Frodetegui, uh, flounced <laughs> off, told everyone the squad was poor. It was terrible. Gary O'Neill's made him look like a bit of a muppet. Yeah, and that's very much reflected in the price here against Sheffield United. Wolves are four to nine, which Wowza. is yeah incredible. I spoke to uh, betting professional and Wolves fan Nick Goff to check if they'd ever been shorter, and the answer was no in the Premier League. Four to seven was the last time that they were this short to win a Premier League football match against Norwich City, which they won a three 0 in February twenty twenty. So I'm but I'm what I'm suggesting is this price is short. Like they've already lost to Sheffield United this season. They drew with Luton and they only beat Burnley one nil. Um so if you wanted to oppose Wolves, I personally would rather lay Wolves than back Sheffield United on a handicap. You, not only do we get a bigger price, but my concern would be Sheffield United's propensity to collapse. We've seen them concede multiple goals a lot this season. So that would be my concern there. Uh, my my alternative bet here is to back Sheffield United to commit over 11.5 fouls at 8 to 11. Um, they commit the seven most fouls in the league per game, 11.8, and that rises to 12.4 away from home. Uh, last time they met, they gave away 13, and the, they averaged the lowest possession in the league at just 35.6%. So I think there's going to be a lot of spells yeah. where they're without the ball. And Wolves actually had 62% possession um, when they last met. So I think, you know, you think the likes of uh, Ollie McBurney, Jaden Bogle, Vinicius Souza, uh, Gustavo Hamer, they all love a, a, a bit of a bite and a bit of battle. So I think we can, I, I would, I would back this line at high. I would, I would, I would be confident to back it over 12.5, for example. So I'm happy to back that 11.5. And since you had an American adventure for us, didn't you? LA Galaxy against Lionel Messi's into Miami. I saw something extraordinary in midweek that he chipped the ball over a player who was down injured. He's so good. He can even kind of, you know, hurdle those. Very impressive. Yeah, so the MLS is back. We've had uh, the first game of the season into Miami beat Rail Salt Lake uh, 2-0 on uh, Thursday night. So this is the this is the opening weekend essentially and into Miami. A lot of teams complain actually into Miami are, are like the showpiece team now and so it's no surprise that they played a standalone game before the opening weekend. Um uh, and yeah, it's the it's obvious obvious bet here um, is to to get with the the best player in the world. Now he's playing in I know a terrible league um, and the prices in my mind are really, really attractive. Uh, he's got nine, nine goals and 11 starts for into Miami, Lionel Messi. We can back him score first at four to one. You know, I thought that would be like three to one, for example, and we can back him score a brace at six to one. 
he's already got uh, three braces this season, uh, three braces in his 11 starts. Um, he's opened the score in four times. He's averaging four shots per game, two inside the box, <clears throat> excuse me, and he should be on penalties as well. And yeah, I mean, these are the prices you were getting in Liga, in La Liga, and, and now we're getting them in the MLS. So yeah, very, very happy to get involved with them. And uh, yeah, while they still last, essentially. Yes, get it while it's here. Uh, pressure building on David Moyes as West Ham prepared to face Brentford. Mark, it's a weird one, this. It's not a bad season for the Hammers, not at all. Through to the last 16 in the Europa League, at very least, may go further. Um, beat Arsenal twice, all that stuff. But the fans really hate the style of football. And it's one of those weird scenarios where you've got a football team that starts really well and then drifts off. And if it was the other way round, the fans would probably be OK with it. Yeah, I mean, I think the fans are sort of caught between a rock and a hard place, really, because they really appreciate what David Moyes has done for the club, which is provide stability, pull them well them clear trophy. of danger, give them a European trophy, um, got them competing in Europe again. And they're 16 points clear of the relegation zone. They're still in the top half. They're not exactly struggling. But, um, yeah, the demand to be more attractive, more adventurous remains an issue. We're always told about the cliche of the West Ham way. And Moyes' pragmatism West Ham are doesn't... massive. We keep getting told that as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel for him a little bit. But um, occasionally you just have to... You just have to sort of part company and move on because it's best for both of you, really. And um, perhaps that's going to happen sooner rather than later, really, the way West Ham are going, because they failed to win the last six, three points from those available 18 points, three defeats on the spin without scoring, conceding 14 goals in the last five, getting absolutely eviscerated at home by Arsenal. Um, it's not been pretty, really, but um, I think what's most frustrating is West Ham have probably overachieved this season based on the balance of play in their matches. If you look at the underlying metrics, they're pretty horrifying, um, which is all based on their style of play, really, inviting pressure on. I've got them 16th in terms of expected points, which is where their XG process sits at. Only Luton and Sheffield United have given up a higher XG figure when you exclude penalties. Only Blades have faced more shots. Only the bottom three have allowed more shots in the box. And in terms of big chances conceded, only Luton and Blades have conceded more. So, you know, they are inviting a lot of pressure. Um, so it's no surprise really when things do go awry. The Calvin Phillips experiment has been a, a disaster. And I think they're vulnerable on Monday night against Brentford, who have started to show signs of promise really since uh, Ivan Tony's return. The issue I have really with Brentford is defence. Uh, Ethan Pinnock, the latest player to be injured, he is a huge presence in that defensive setup. Um, without him, they had to field a 19th different combination of goalkeeper and defenders in the Premier League this season, last weekend against Liverpool. And that lack of consistency is breeding to their lack of clean sheets just for all season. So whilst there's positives with Vissa back, Lope playing and performing, Tony being a huge presence again, um, they've all caused problems with their physicality and, and pace. Their sort of uncompromising nature too. But you can't trust them defensively. Nathan um, Collins yeah, all... looked like he'd never played the game before against Liverpool. It was absolutely extraordinary. Yeah, he's done that a couple of times, in fairness. Uh, I remember the, the midweek game against Wolves as well, when uh, Wolves went to the GTAC and, and schooled Brentford. He, I think, contributed to at least two two yeah. goals against. Um, and yeah, it's a concern, really. So as much as I want to be with Brentford, um, I, I can't for all those reasons. So the obvious solution here is to back goals for both teams because West Ham do have players of real quality in forward areas. So I think both teams to score is is right on the money. 
but the price is short as it always is in the Premier League. So to boost up, just back both teams to be booked on top because we've got Simon Cooper in charge, who's averaging well over five cards per game. He's one of the most stringent referees in the division this season. And both teams have been carded in 24 of their 25 league games. Hammers booked in every home game, Brentford booked in every away game. And that boosts us up to 1.9, which is a nice leap from around about 1.6 on both teams to score. Yeah, lovely stuff. Boys, it's a weird one this with West Ham, isn't it? Because I think fans do want to see more stylish football. And I think that is a big issue. You look at Tottenham, for example, and yes, Antonio Conte was pretty successful there, if we're honest. But God, their football was dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. And now Tottenham fans are like, yay, we actually enjoy going to the stadium. I mean, people do pay a hell of a lot to go and see these games. And if it's absolute dross... It's difficult to sell it, isn't it, really? It, it is. I'm, I'm all really conflicted with this topic because I'm I'm a, I'm a season ticket holder at Leeds. So, like, people who pay the money, I think they can feel whatever they want. I'm willing, you know, they can't say whatever they want. They can feel whatever they want. Yeah. Um, and last season, Leeds were terrible under Jesse Marsh and we were relegated. So, kind of well within our rights to voice the hatred toward that, that style of football that we were seeing. When it comes to West Ham, I'm really conflicted because... Mike's outlined the the success that Moyes has brought there. And everyone talks about the West Ham way. You mentioned the Tottenham way. Everyone's got a club way. What what does it actually mean if it brings you success? Like, you you are right to say that Spurs fans weren't incredibly happy under Conte, but I didn't really see a morning when they had Mourinho and they were top of the league at Christmas a few years ago. Yeah, I think quite a few of them were. But, I think a few of them were like I, I, a few Spurs fans <clears> that I know were like, yeah, we're doing well, but God, the football is so bad. But if if that would have brought a trophy at the end of the season, they still have had all those, and and that went yeah. to West Ham. But West Ham got that trophy. Now I'm not def- I'm not saying the fans are wrong. This is what this is why I'm saying. No, no, I, I I get it. The fans have got to be able to say what they want, and I I'm torn on it as well because I get I have defended Moyes because you know it is West Ham. For, you know, they have delusions of grandeur at that football club, like Everton fans do, like lots of clubs do. They think they're, like, enormous. They're not. But it's fine, but they're just, you know, you've won a major trophy for the first time since 1980. You're nowhere near the relegation zone. It wasn't that long ago that West Ham were going down or being close to going down or whatever. But if the football is so toe-curlingly boring then you can kind of see where they're coming from, can't you? No, I definitely can see where they're coming from. That That is for sure. And it's it's just interesting how it works, isn't it? Because I wonder if like if they had like 10, 15 more points and they were fifth and still playing this way, I just, I'd just love to know what the perception was then. Like if they were, you know, would, would they still... Well, look, you Moyes tell be... me, you're a Leeds fan, Bielsa. That was great fun. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. And you're right, even when we were, you know, I will say again, he should never have been sacked. Uh, we were never in the relegation zone under him. But yes, we were still... Here's the thing. You go, say you go down, because that was the way it was going, right? And yeah. I, I wouldn't have sacked him either. But say they kept him on and he took you down, you finished bottom, blah, blah, blah. Would you... How would you feel then? I mean, look, it's easy for me to say now, but I genuinely wanted, would have rather have gone down with him than stayed up without him. That's how I felt. So this is what West Ham fans towards... are saying, right? Yeah. And, they've and got do you the know opposite. What... Yeah, they have. And do you know what it is with West Ham? It might be even another layer for them, that the whole Olympic Stadium sort of home. I can imagine that's that every year just gets worse for 
the whole sort of viewing kind of experience and well, how a lot of them feels. didn't want to go there did they? well that's, that's what the i mean yeah. so like i feel like it's it, i think west ham fans of years gone by must be pretty upset with the whole thing and then you throw this extra layer on top of it with Moyes. i mean look mark's right i think this the end of the season will be a natural part of ways i think that makes complete sense however i just think it, it can be much worse and it has been worse for them. Uh, you know, in recent years, they have suffered relegation not, not too long ago. And like I said, they nearly went down last year. So they're still in the Europa League. If they finish ninth, 10th now, where they are now, and, and get to a Europa League final, I mean, that's 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 some going. What I will say is, just quickly, the next three games, West Ham, Brentford on Monday, Everton, and then Burnley. So three teams right down at the bottom, all below yeah. them. Now, they're not in danger of going down. That's not the point. But if they don't win any of those games to go alongside the current, I think it's eight games in all competitions they haven't won, then Moyes might leave before that. He's 5-1 to one on the sports book to be the next Premier League manager to leave. So he just sits behind Vincent Company there at 7-2. to two. I mean, that price will be cut, obviously, if, if they don't win on Monday. And, and those three fixtures, you would, West Ham fans are going to be expecting some points. If they don't get very many, he could go. Just moving on to the Dutch Eredivisie for our final tip, Mark. We've got RZ against Ajax. Ajax are a funny old team, aren't they? They're scoring lots, conceding lots. Uh, John Van Schip, their coach, has, has done a good job in turning them round. They've got Jordan Henderson there, fastest-selling shirt in Ajax history, so we keep being told. I find <laughs> that utterly baffling, but there we go. Who's um, got that record of all those? Who knows that's a fact? I'm not having it. I just do well, not agree. <laughs> this is what they keep telling us. I, I don't I know, know what it's metric it's based though, on. It? it is nonsense. I mean, whether they'll rename the Cruyff Arena as the Henderson <laughs> Arena, who knows? Um, but Mark, how are they going to get on in Alkmaar? Uh, honest answer, I haven't got a clue um, because that has been the IX way of late. Um, yeah, Von Schip has, has steadied the ship. Um, but yeah, more recently, performances have gone a little <laughs> bit awry. Perhaps coinciding with Jordan Henderson's arrival, perhaps. Um, are they shipping lots of goals, Mark? Is that the problem? <laughs> they are. They very much are. And I think that's the issue. So um, anyone who saw them scramble a two-all draw against Bodo Glimt in the Conference League last week uh, will have seen they are defensively hopeless. And um, yeah, they've got to face a trip to Norway for that return leg uh, on Thursday night. And we don't know the outcome of that, but... I'd be very surprised if they silenced Bodo in Norway, uh, up in the Arctic Circle or close to it. Um, they've kept three clean sheets in the Eredivisie all season, uh, but more recently, <laughs> that they is have conceded. Isn't it? It's a oh, it's a, an abomination. But in more recently, they conceded two against Neck, two against Bodo, three against Heerenveen, one against PSV, two against Heracles, one against RKC, two against Go Ahead, three against Hercules, who are a third division <laughs> team in the cup. Two oh, they were the amateurs, Waller. weren't they? Did yeah. they get knocked out by the amateurs? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Considering three goals. <laughs> so it's 14 games without a clean sheet across all comps before Thursday night. They've conceded two goals or more in seven of those nine. They've conceded two goals or more in 10 of the last 11 away games. It's incredibly awful. But the most eye-catching thing for me is, let me just read you their last 14 games away from home, the actual scorelines. Oh, I need a big deep breath because this is... I love these. These are some of my favourite bits of the show when you do scores. Go on. Well, strap in. <laughs> lost 3-2, 1-4-2, 1-3-2, lost 3-2. That was Hercules. 1-3-2, <laughs> 1-2-1, lost 4-3, drew 2-2, lost 5-2, two, 
lost 2-0, lost 4-3, drew 1-1, lost 3-1. So that's 14 games, an average of 4.43 goals. Both teams scoring in 13 of 14, overs in 12 of 14, over 4.5 goals in eight of those 14. Wow. And that doesn't include their trip to Bodo Glimped on Thursday night, which could easily see those figures spike even more based on how Bodo tend to approach games as well. So that feels like a yeah. six three, doesn't it? I know we're gonna be it's gonna be nil-nil now, isn't it? But that does <laughs> feel way. like it could go off that game. It could. Hopefully it will. I mean, um we're all hoping so. But uh yeah, they're playing an RZ team who've lost their way a little bit as well more recently. They've only kept two clean sheets since October in the area of VC. So I just can't see anything else but a shootout in this particular match. Both teams underperforming of late. Both teams desperate to get back into the top three race. It's probably beyond both, but um, I'm sure they'll give it a good go anyhow. So absolutely no qualms about their ability in four areas, but defensively hopeless, both of them. So it should be good fun. Overs and BTTS 1.8, which is a blinding price in the area of EC. Lovely stuff. I was going to say, with, with John Van Ship, I think he... He can't seem to settle on his on his starting eleven. He, he just keeps docking around with that starting eleven. Yeah, that's because uh, very good. <laughs> so we've done there. You he he wrong footed me there because yeah, uh, yeah. I had to yeah. get my pudding. <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's good. I thought he was going to swear again. Then <laughs> come in with his with his swears. Different vibe. All good. Uh, no. That's all we had time. For on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Loads of good Cheltenham preview content uh, on our website, betting.betfair.com. Also, we've got lots of racing shows on the podcast network. Uh, Cheltenham Only Better. We've got the Wading podcast as well. Uh, loads and loads of good uh, preview content and analysis. And remember, all of our shows are now on YouTube on Betfair's new non-racing channel, so make sure you like and subscribe. Join the growing army of subscribers on that from boise from stinch from mark and from me it is goodbye for now